0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Government ministers not being available for interviews about COVID-19 recovery measures certainly fired up the Parliamentary Press Gallery last week when a leaked memo came to light, along with a huge load of newsworthy official documents released to them on a Friday afternoon. As we heard here on Media Watch last weekend, NewsHub's political editor Tova O'Brien told her viewers the government had been as cynical as it gets. One thing that's not in this pile of documents is an email that was leaked to News Hub from the Prime Minister's office to all of her ministers, gagging them from speaking to the media. It says they're only allowed to provide brief written responses to me- the media, that the Prime Minister would have to approve and sign all of those off. It provides specific talking points to keep her ministers on message. And get this, it even says there is no need to defend the COVID response. Instead, quote, we can dismiss and quote, do not put minister- and is up for interviews on this. In this past week, political reporters were still unhappy about that. The Sunday Star Times editor Tracy Watkins said that this was a first-term government acting with the arrogance of a third-term one. And on Newstalk ZB the same day, New Zealand Herald editor Shane Curry pointed the finger at the spin doctors.
0: Probably the most telling comment in the, in the memo from the Prime
2: Minister's office was that, hey, look, you don't actually have to comment to the media. Most of the New Zealand public think that we have handled the crisis uh, perfectly fine. Yeah. And of course, that probably gives you more insight than anything in terms of the way that the, um, the PR handlers, I guess, uh, are treating it all.
1: And one of his political reporters at The Herald, Jason Walls, later said on News Talk ZB that the government and the Prime Minister had damaged their own reputations acting in this way.
0: This government that have been praised for doing such a good job, and then you've got Jacinda Ardern... She's basically the queen of kindness out there talking about how important um, this sort of stuff is. And then for there to be a memo that says, oh, basically, New Zealanders think that we're, we're doing great. We don't have to be as transparent and front up with ministers on this. A lot of people would have the right to be pretty disappointed in that. And I think including a lot of um, journalists in the press gallery, to be
1: honest. And they certainly haven't hidden that disappointment in their own media outlets, as we've just heard. Another of the Herald's reporters, Derek Cheng, went for it in print with a strong piece for last weekend's Herald on Sunday. In a crisis, he said, this was a slap in the face, not just for the fourth estate, but also for the public on whose behalf they work. And he reckoned it also undermined the access provided in the almost daily press conferences, which were broadcast live throughout alert levels three and four. Now, at those press conferences, some political reporters were not backward in coming forward to confront the prime minister on political issues like that. Each day the public saw and heard reporters out of shot barking questions, sometimes simultaneously to get responses on hot topics like contact tracing or the suffering of lockdown and locked out business owners. But after halfway in those press conferences, there was often a change of pace and tone for a bit when one reporter posed questions which were quite different and often about issues affecting Māori.
2: There is concern within some Māori communities that Life after COVID will just continue to extend the gap between the rich and the poor. What can you do to, what will you be doing to make sure that doesn't happen? You will have heard me say from this podium before that this has to be uh, an opportunity for us to to finally close the inequities that we have.
1: That was Heta Gardner, political reporter for Māori Television's Te o Māori News Service. When the Alert Level 2 rules were announced on the 7th of May, many reporters honed in on what would happen at bars and restaurants, but Heather Gardner asked Dr Bloomfield instead whether Māori would be able to practice hongi. It's
0: time to do so. For, for a yeah. for, um,
2: okay. Dr Bloomfield. You said, Dr Bloomfield, uh, hongi will be an issue for iwi and we will provide guidance on that. Could you explain what you mean?
1: Well, I think the decision
2: lies with individual iwi about hongi, but we'll um, have our, our Māori... Uh, team, uh, led by um, John Fanger provide advice and in discussion and consultation with our Māori advisory group.
0: You yeah. oh, sorry. He'd
2: only so the reason, Dr Bloomfield, you said specifically that hongi will be an issue for you, is that because hongi, you believe, uh, has added risks uh, for communities?
1: Uh, Heta Gardner is one of just two Māori journalists who regularly attended the Beehive briefings during Level 3 and 4. The other was TVNZ's political reporter Mikey Sherman, a former colleague at Māori Television. On Wednesday, she was able to tell TVNZ1 News viewers just why funerals and tangihanga restrictions and the controversial COVID-19 Public Health Measures Act – mattered a lot to Māori.
0: This is the first biggest public backlash we've seen with regards to the government's rules and restrictions around COVID-19. It could soon cost them in those Māori seats.
1: Mikey Sherman, thank you. And in his questions at those press conferences, Heta Gardner from time to time has brought up the sort of smaller scale issues often overlooked by reporters much more focused on national politics and the pandemic. On April the 28th, for example, Heta Gardner raised a rahui put in place on the Waitahanui River east of Lake Taupo, which upset local anglers. And those not used to watching entire press conferences from Parliament noticed the less aggressive style in those moments when Heta Gardner was asking his questions. Now Heta Gardner's been a TV reporter since 2007, but many people didn't know whose the off-camera voice was – and on social media, some were trying to find out more about him, and even framing him as a bit of a cult hero. Now, as we've seen previously, some people don't respond well when Māori issues or language appear in the mainstream media, so this week, Hayden Donnell asked Heta Gardner how had people responded to his presence and his questions at those press conferences.
2: Yeah, kia ora, kia ora Hayden. It's it's been largely positive, which has been great. You know, I was the political reporter at the last election, and being a Maori journalist during the last uh, election, where it was it was quite the dogfight between Labour and the Maori Party. Of course, I. Are, the feedback wasn't as nice. On one thread, I was getting people uh, saying that, geez, that Hita Gardner is two pro Māori party, and I'll jump on another thread, and I'll say that bloody hit is two pro Labour party. So um, it's the kind of job where you often get a lot of grief. And so uh, when it comes to these briefings and these questions, I'll be getting a lot of positive feedback and a lot of... Um, uh, messages daily of often strangers um, saying, "Look, I, I, you know, I, I came across your questions and they're really good, and and we really appreciate you giving that Maori
0: perspective." And it's been really, um, it's been really nice and, and encouraging, Hayden. It's interesting you say that because one of the reasons that your questions stand out is that you often draw out issues. You say you have a Maori perspective uh, that haven't been highlighted as much by the other media present. So, um, so on May seven, for instance, you asked whether Hongi would be okay to carry out going forward into Alert Level 2. And that's, of course, a great concern for Marty. but it's not really something that maybe was on the radar as much for other media. Is, is that something that you experience? The questions
2: that I have and the perspectives that I have are quite niche when you look at the wider press gallery, right? In terms of the press gallery in those stand-ups, probably... 17, 18 maybe people, and there's myself that has the Māori perspective, a couple of Australian journalists and a business journalist. Now, we're quite niche, and all of our questions are unique to our area of focus. And But it's always been like that. Every time I go into that room, there's, there, there's one, maybe two. It's just been amplified in this situation because I'm the only person from Māori media in that room, which actually gives me a lot of freedom and it gives me um, a space that nobody else has. You know, For example, when there's a big media story, right? Prime Minister's announcing when we're going to go to Level 2, every single mainstream media focuses on that one issue, and I think that's been a part of some of the flack. A lot of people are saying, well, they're all asking the same questions or asking about the same issue, and I come in and I ask a question about hongi or tangihanga or, or, or te tai or or checkpoints,
0: right? That actually gives me some freedom your organisation, and tao uh, has this different focus. You have this entirely Māori remit, really, and these mainstream organisations have this more national remit. So how much of them not asking these questions that you're asking is understandable to you, and how much is is a little bit disappointing?
2: Look, I'm aware that they are mainstream, right, and they won't be focusing on Māori-specific issues every day. That's not my expectation of them, nor do I think it should be anyone's expectation. In saying that, though, I would encourage those mainstream media outlets to always have a focus and always have a lens and an eye to the Māori issues. Because, like you say, I've got quite a lot of positive feedback, right? Well, actually, I think a big part of that is because I'm the only one and there's actually an appetite for Māori issues and Māori questions in that forum –
0: I remember one conference where you talked about the rate of Māori testing positive for COVID-19. I think it was around 8%, whereas the population of Māori in New Zealand is more like 16.5%. And I guess that could reveal some pretty concerning practices by health officials, but it hadn't really been picked up on outside of your questions. Is, is that a, a place where you think there could be more representation and investigation in these areas? Um, representation?
2: 100%, Hayden. Look, do we need more Māori in that press gallery? 100%. I'm that lone voice. I've been that lone voice the last seven weeks. It's like throwing a tic-tac in a tunnel sometimes, Hayden. Why don't we have enough then, I guess, is the major question, right? Because we're talking about um, Māori perspectives in that press gallery. Mainstream journalists won't be able to canvas Māori stories, Māori issues and Māori questions, as well as a Māori journalist, Right. I would not be able to cover a court story as well as a court journalist. I just won't be able to. I won't be able to do an education story as well as an education journalist, right? So I'm not trying to say that all of these mainstream non mori journalists need to be getting into this space and tucking in. We need more people in that press gallery and in journalism generally. Māori people that know how to do Māori stories with Māori focuses that are Māori in these mainstream setups. We don't have enough. There's myself, there's Mikey Sherman um, that have been in this press conferences. That's it. She's at TVNZ, right, she's a mainstream journalist. That's it. Of the 40 to 50 journalists there are in the press gallery, there are very, very few Māori. This has just put a spotlight on the issue. So this has been happening, and the Prime Minister uh, fronts the media at that podium on Monday every week and has done so for 30 or so years, right, right? Um, there's always one token Māori person or max two token Māori people in there asking those Māori questions. So this has always been the case. This has put a spotlight on it. And you're right, though, it doesn't necessarily just reflect the press gallery. And I I will preface this by saying this. Um, The press gallery itself has actually been very, very encouraging. For example, yesterday, I wasn't in Wellington. I was helping um, our team work out some coverage in Auckland. And Nobody was there for Māori television, and so I reached out to the press gallery and let, look, can I send some questions through? And they were very open to that, right? They, they went, absolutely, send the questions. They asked them, it was fine, right? So there's encouragement there, but there aren't enough. That's across the media space. If you're looking at all the main media outlets, there aren't enough Māori there. We know in the media that the faces on camera don't actually call the shots, We front it, we don't call the shots. The producers call the shots, right? The bosses call the shots. And so there's a space there. We are very much lacking having Māori in that space as well. So there's not enough Māori across the mainstream spectrum. And that's television, that's radio, that's, that's print. Like you say, a spotlight's only on this now because... The whole country is watching those press conferences and they notice when there's this same person at the same spot asking those mildly pointed questions.
0: A, a lot of the praise for your questions is just, you know, oh, thank God this guy raised this issue. But some people, I feel as well, there's this mix of kind of using your questions as kind of a cudgel to uh, criticise the more mainstream journalists there. You know, oh, well, why aren't they asking these questions? Are, are you comfortable... With people doing that to kind of use you as 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 a way of uh, as a tool to criticize the rest of the press gallery and and that's often the praise
2: um that I'm getting when people message me right they say oh compared to the other questions that I'm hearing yours are very refreshing i I, I will add though that. The expectations on a mainstream journalist, you ask very different questions, for example, if you are asking a question to clip out five minutes out of the Prime Minister's press conference, or you're asking a question for a two-minute two story for the news, you ask a different question and you ask it in a different way. I see a lot of flack to my colleagues in in the press gallery. I feel feel a bit sorry for them. I also think, you know, these are real people. And um, New Zealand's so tiny that if you chuck stuff like that on Facebook, there's a a reasonable chance that they're going to see it. But look, do I think every single question that's been asked in those press conferences are right on the money and they're perfect and they're awesome? Well, no. The way in which questions are asked, well, depending on the format that you're editing it to, that's that's something that, that people watching generally don't understand.
0: Yeah, because there's different ways of asking questions, and and TV will have different uh, outcomes that they want out of an answer than a print journalist, for instance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, some people have have, have pointed out individuals and and said, you know, oh, these are gotcha questions and those are wasted questions and all that stuff. Look, people have have the opinions. And I feel that sometimes when I'm watching press conferences or anything like that, right, I I sit there thinking, well, that's not the questions I would be asking. Those aren't the things that that's not the threat I would take. And you might be wasting these or, or, or whatever. A good thing is, is, is showing the volume of people that are actually watching and interested. That's what I think. I'm just like, man, whether it's positive feedback for me or others or negative feedback for people, the whole country is watching. A political space, and, and, and I think that's positive, but people are at home. I mean, at Level 4, a lot of people are at home, and, and, and you know, people get pretty bored if you're, if you're just chilling at home, and every. Everybody's chucking in their opinions, which is fine. Everybody has an opinion, but I, I, I would just caution a, a little bit. These are people um, that are working hard, and they could very well see those comments too. You know, and you know we're real people that see it, so so a bit worried before the before the personal attacks is all I would say. Uh,
0: your questions often seem to come around the same point in the briefing, sort of like halfway through or towards. The end I, I just wonder why you do often wait so long to put your questions in
2: um, well a couple of reasons um one I see the the Australian reporters and the and the business reporters do the same thing aware of the fact that, that there's a main thread that probably 17 people of the 20 people or whatever in the room um, are going to be chasing, right? And so I, I, I allow that to lead to lead the press conference and a lot of people have noticed as well and there's some criticism of a lot of the questions around the same thing. But I let the main thread um, play its course and then I just jump in after that. I also like to to canvas exactly kind of where the Prime Minister's going and, and the way in which he answers questions, right? If other journalists ask Maori-pointed questions then I might come off the back of that. Yeah, and that's why I make the quarter go sort of between the middle between the middle and the end. Of course you don't want to wait too late and then you run out of time. But um yeah, yeah, it's just uh, I just I just like to, to, to canvas and, and survey what the Prime Minister's actually um where she's going with, with her answers and see if there's anything else to jump on. And if there's not, right, I've prepared questions of course and then I go with those, but often it's off the back of her answers to other journalists. I will be honest with you, Hayden. There are many very good Maori journalists that if they were in that seat instead of me, look, they would be getting similar praise. Um, We have a lot of good journalists that are across all these things, and I just so happen to be that voice um, at this time. Um, We learn not to take in all all of the feedback, the criticisms, everything from the public, though it is quite reassuring that Um, a lot of people, a lot of feedback from Māori and non-Māori are coming back saying, look, the questions that you're asking aren't being asked by anybody else, and they're really important. Thank you. Um, So that's really nice. Uh,
0: One thing I wondered, is the press conference setting itself pretty Pākehā in nature? I I think of the fact that everyone kind of yells over each other and jockeys for attention, and that's gotten a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, attention from people would that sort of uh, yelling over each other be as acceptable in a, in a purely Māori setting? That, that That's a great, great, great question Hayden, because that is actually
2: I think one of the reasons why Māori feel quite uncomfortable and intimidated in that environment. It is unnatural. It is still unnatural to me. Um, I'm not as um, forward and aggressive in those, in those settings, right? I need to get my questions in and, and I will press for them, but i 'm not comfortable um yelling over other people uh, and that 's one of the reasons why maori that come into that setting because we have sometimes we have maori come into that setting and they don 't like asking questions and they don 't ask questions because it 's not an environment that that is very comfortable for us. Would it run the same way if it was run in a maori way in, in a maori construct um, with maori practices um, absolutely not right that 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 is why um I think one of the reasons, and there are many reasons, but that's one of the reasons um, why Maori often don't thrive to be political reporters. They see that combative, nat- the combative nature of how things are run. I mean, that you're exactly right. They're screaming over um, each other. And I don't think anybody particularly likes it, right? But um, that's the nature of that's the nature of the beast. And no, Maori don't feel comfortable with that at all, Maori. And that trickles down to a whole lot of things. That trickles down to why Maori are less comfortable asking questions. Why Maori are, are, are less likely to want to be politicians. Why Maori don't want to go to Wellington to be journalists.
0: You know, all of these things trickle down to, to, to the overall picture. Maybe that sort of discomfort with the system comes through in your questions a little bit, one of the things that I notice about political reporters is they love that sort of back and forth cut and thrust of politics and they love the game. April 29, you asked, you know, uh, there's a concern within some Māori communities that life after COVID will just continue to extend the gap between the rich and the poor. It's not like inequality hasn't been mentioned by others, but do you think you're more focused on those structural overall issues that affect people on the ground?
2: I'm not sure whether I'm looking at putting in any particular category, but the questions I, I ask, I look at the forum that's in front of us, and the forum that's in front of us is we get 45 minutes with the Prime Minister every day, and that's it. I also look at it in the space that I am the only Māori media journalist in that space. Um, and my focus is to get genuine answers to genuine questions from the Māori communities. Again, I'm looking at questions that, our people want to know, and questions that actually they should be answering. I'm not looking at a sharp grab to make a story sound better, but I have the freedom to do that. Again, um, I'm not I'm not as tied as many of the other journalists as to what the angle is. I use that space to ask questions that I think the government should be thinking about. Whether that reflects. Um, a good sharp grab in a two-minute story for myself? Well, often it doesn't. Often we get long explanations to those questions, right? But I ask the question that if somebody's listening, what do they want to ask, right? What do they want to know about? I'm not thinking, okay, I want her to say this so that it comes off the grab that I already got from Simon Bridges.
0: And part of that is just the incentives there are there for for mainstream media, right? They, I mean, they have commercial incentives, they have audience incentives, they, they, uh, targets that they have to meet. And that's a hard thing to fit into necessarily So the motivations that you're talking about. Yeah, um, I have different
2: expectations and they have commercial expectations and, and mainstream audiences and, and all of these things. Marty TV is actually lucky. We have a scope to go, you know what, um, this is important, even if it won't rate. Right. We can do that because... Because our whole process and and the reason why Māori television was established is not for that purpose, right? And of course we want people to tune in, we we want people to watch, we want to motivate people to to get into our content, but we are not tied to that ratings, money,
0: scope. Yeah, and I mean there's some sympathy for the mainstream journalists there because they are operating in a different structure. On a more personal note, do you feel a little bit lonely as as often the only Māori person... Asking questions from a Māori perspective in the press gallery? It's not
2: lonely and it's not isolated, but it is is—it is clear to me that, that I'm basically in a lane all of my own. Would I rather there are a lot of us? Yes. And, and I look at uh, places like RNZ. RNZ have a superb Māori unit and they have excellent journalists. And if they were sitting there next to me in that room, that would add so much value to the people... At home and I I feel more sorry, not for myself, because oh well, you know, you no, know, we are some friends that will ask similar questions. I actually feel more sorry for our people at home and our Māori people at home that everything is on me. I ask two, maybe three questions, sometimes one question a day. And that is our perspective. That is our four minutes in front of the Prime Minister. How about if we had a team there? Look, there are people that are Mori journalists that would ask Māori specific questions that I I just wouldn't have thought of and they would be great and they would be put in front of the Prime Minister and we're holding them to account, but it's not there. So my want and the reason why I would really want a Māori team there from other news outlets, right, more Māori there, less so so that I would feel less lonely, but more so for our people at home.
0: Hey, thank you so much, Heta. I really appreciate
2: your time. Awesome. No worries, Hayden.
1: That was Heta Gardner, political reporter for Māori Television's Tao News Service, talking there to Media Watch's Hayden Donnell. And you can hear more of what they had to say to each other in the online version of the story that's on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website, or you'll find it on the RNZ app. Now, one of many things that was pushed back by the COVID-19 crisis was a long-running review called the Māori Media Sector Shift. This was touted as a blueprint to rejig publicly funded Māori media for the digital era, and among the issues under consideration was whether news could be better covered by combining existing news services for radio, TV and online. The Maori media sector shift review was due about the time the COVID crisis struck, but hasn't emerged yet. We'll have more on that in the future, though, here on MediaWatch.